This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right. Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. Very excited to have Jason here. Jason is a friend and a badass real estate investor who lives in New Jersey. He's doing a ton of different business stuff. It's really incredible. Jason, thanks for being here. Steven, thanks so much for having me. How are you? I am doing really well. I'm really excited to kind of dive in. Obviously, I know you, but you get to another level when you get a have somebody in front of the microphone. So Jason Yarusi is a real estate investor who runs multiple successful businesses. On the investing side, him and his wife focus on multifamily, flipping, uh, moving houses. They own over 150 on their way to 200 different multifamily units. They have a, an amazing podcast. They have three great kids and a couple dogs and they're living the good life. And uh, really grateful to have you on, grateful to have you as a friend. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm psyched. I'm psyched to be here, Stephen. I'm doing great. Good, 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 good. So you've obviously hit a lot of success. That's why we know each other. We know each other through a couple successful groups that we're in. But if we take a look back kind of earlier on in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? I have to be my parents, right? So we all grow up in our own fashion. Uh, my dad just continues today to work hard, but his his work ethic growing up, it was, it, it definitely put a pace to myself, right? He, he always had one pace and that was do it, do it right and do it till it's done and get it done. And that's always been instilled with me and just the work ethic today. Um, I, I've hopefully found ways to, to be better efficient with my time as, as a transcendent, but knowing how my dad worked and having that really it helped me develop as a person just to know what I need to do to get it done. And sometimes it's that extra effort that really takes you to the next level that, that still stands out today. Just watching him do tasks throughout his uh, life and my life myself. Wow. Well, you definitely exemplify that. I mean, you're a hard worker. You've got your hand in so many different cookie jars. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, where do you spend majority of your time on the investing? Sure. Front? Yeah. You, you touched on it a lot. Um, so I, I do work in my family company with my dad, my brother. Uh, my aunt works in the office. Peter, uh, my wife's involved, my mom. Uh, we move and lift houses. It's our heavy construction business that takes up a good amount of time, but we've used that to help us along with our real estate journey. We actually do some heavy construction flips where we use our heavy construction background to take on We'll say a little more involved projects. We'll actually lift houses uh, a lot for flooding reasons, make them FEMA compliant, basically meaning that hopefully they will flood in the future, fix them up and then resell them. And then past that, we've moved into the multifamily space, buying large apartment buildings, mainly outside of New Jersey for many different metrics, uh, mainly in the Midwest. And that's been now bringing you up to speed with really where our future lies. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know you from the house flipping side of it and, uh, and moving houses with your, uh, with your family. What, what was it like to grow up working in a family business like that? 
you know, it's it's not easy, and I'm not, not going to say it is, right? So one thing that's difficult, and I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about this today too, right, is that it's hard to separate family and business, especially when they're aligned. It just it's just very difficult to to shut it off, right? And we had a home office for a good amount growing up, and so you don't really turn that off. You know, if the phone rings on Saturday or Sunday or you have to do work, you know, when you get home on a business, there's just no separation for someone who may have a typical nine to five, they go to their job and they come home. So it, it can engulf the family and, and it just, it's always been a learning experience trying to have that separation of church and state and find that balance between work and life. And I'm sure that's a lot for other people, but that's always stood out to me, just trying to make sure, especially now that I have young kids, just to find that time to be committed to when I'm working and then committed to when I'm with my family. I mean, do you think it's even possible to do that, to really separate the two when it's such a big part of your life and who you are? I don't think it's it's possible, but I think I can be... Um, I think I can be alert to make sure that I'm, I'm recognizing when it's happening. And that's what I, I've been, I've just been trying to make sure I'm present to understand what I'm doing. Cause I, cause there's just going to be time when I'm with family that I'll have to deal with business and vice versa. You know, when I'm doing with business, uh, the great thing about having your own business and being an entrepreneur is I, I can deal with family, you know, I didn't I'm not deal, but, uh, had two sick young kids the other day and, you know, it's my own business. I can take my time, be with the kids, give them the time they need. That, that sometimes is a, an added bonus to be able to do something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you grew up around the family business. What lessons did you learn on that front about setting boundaries or maybe lessons learned that you liked that they were doing or maybe things that you're like, this is an example of what not to do or a warning? Twofold, right? You set your own pace and you set your own objectives. And lots of times when you work for someone else, they're giving you the guidelines, they're giving you the, maybe the, the steps or the levels or, or those quarterly marks they want you to hit. Well, this is your business and you're going to set up where that is and you can really live or die by the sword, right? Depending on what you can do and what you can accomplish. And the only person you can really answer to is yourself and, and or your family. So yeah, you have to realize that sometimes if you're not at that point, you maybe you're not setting the right goals or you're not taking the right action steps. Um, but one of the things that definitely stands out is that, and I believe, you know, some of the conflict in our business and I, I see in others, I see it, you know, even watching, you know, shows or just other family businesses is that ultimately we may have a different idea of what is the best solution, especially being family. Everybody sometimes thinks that their voice should matter. Not to say they shouldn't, but there has to always be a leading role, right? Someone's got to ultimately take charge and be the final say. You can't debate everything because ultimately nothing gets accomplished. So when we're talking about business, we have to be reasonable that that someone's going to ultimately have to make that choice and we're going to have to roll with that. And if it doesn't work, okay, we can adjust, but we can't debate to death and and lose days debating and not taking that action. So for instance, you know, if if I'm going to be roll, uh, running the construction company, my father and brother would have to fall suit and vice versa if my dad was was in charge in that point. So we, we separated. I, I do handle the office and all the back office and my father and brother handle the field, but there's got to be the, the leader or the, the goal setter for each of these objectives and then make sure that the, the 
outside work is now aligning for what I need from an office perspective. And being a bunch of Italians, you can find where that can be kind of butt heads. <laughs> Everybody wants to be in charge. Everyone wants to have a say. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, from my experience with partnerships, they can be, you know, whether it's partnerships with people who are part of your family or they're not part of your family, you really have to have that laid out. Who's doing what and 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 who's going to be making the decisions? Because at the end of the day, you can have a 50-50 equity split, but somebody has to be the deciding factor on certain topics. Otherwise, the whole ship just stops when you can't agree. And you have to adapt or die, right? So some business can flourish rolling on their, their old school ways, but most businesses have to adapt. And so naming, uh, you know, a construction business, a real estate business, marketing, right? Marketing used to be, okay, you have a phone, maybe you have a sign out, you know, hope they call, pass by. You know, that's really your point. Now it's so many different abilities to do so many levels of, of really point-to-click marketing or Facebook ads or websites or, you know, email trafficking there's so many more opportunities for you to get out there. So if you're not in the forefront of just seeing other opportunities to bring in business, you're going to get left behind by someone who maybe, you know, we're in the business 40 something years of construction. You could have somebody come in and just start the business tomorrow who can be a savant at, you know, Instagram ads and, and all, all of a sudden ramping up businesses with really no experience just because they understand a piece that maybe that company who's still living the dinosaur ways hasn't really excelled at. Yeah, that isn't that that's that's so true. So I mean, you really didn't learn your lesson working on the family business. Now you and your wife no. are killing it in real estate. And you guys work really closely together. What lessons learned have you taken away from that? What what changes have you made recently or in the past couple of years since you guys started working together side by side? So I guess the thing is that Peely and I met working together. So before I came back out to work for the family businesses, uh, Peely and I had worked in a number of New York City uh, bars and ran bars together. So we started in a, in a work capacity before we actually got married. And so that was the preface. So we've always known each other from, from that perspective, which has made the transition so much easier, right? And so when, when your family first and then become business, that is a whole different perspective than when if your your work set first and then became a relationship, or at least for myself, it has been. So for that, we both were really understanding of what our roles were. And that's been really beneficial for where we stand today on, on just our day-to-day operations, noting our goals and really just setting where we want to be from a, a business perspective and a family perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely think you're, you're living that. You're an example of what I would look for in, uh, in a working relationship with a, with a future spouse, with a future wife, because you guys are living a great life. You have a family, you have kids, you're hitting success on business, but frankly, you seem pretty happy. And I don't think that's just on the surface. No, and you know, and it's it's not easy, right? You work for it. It's not to the point that, but we're just trying to be. We, we got three kids, four and under. You know, we got a couple different businesses going on, so we just have to be honest with each other. If something's not right or not clicking, it's just communicating that, okay, th- this this doesn't feel right, or we're we're not on the, we're not seeing eye to eye, and that's where I feel we've really been able to make it work, just to both take a step back and say, okay, let's talk about this. Is this the right direction for us in business or in family? And that's been really helpful for things to, to just continue to just be happy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Communication is so key. If, if you don't talk about something, it ends up being such a bigger deal. That's yeah. for relationships. That's all the way down the line to, to the team and everything in between. So on a challenges front, talk to me a little bit about uh, the time that you had gunshots on site. Sure. And, you know, yeah, it asked about a challenge and this one popped out. Um, it was actually, man, it was probably a year and a half ago. It was the first large multifamily property we purchased. And there is actually um, some surrounding buildings that were owned by the city. And everybody understands how uh, city and government are not great landlords. And so the tenants there what weren't really taking care of the property. The tenants were, of course, put in there and not really, we'll say, set up correctly, right? So for that, they were causing issues um, because the tenants that were there or the people that were staying there were not even actual tenants. They were just kind of hanging out. Well, this is not an area where we usually have gunshots. So it scared some of our tenants, started creating uh, some just unsettling people for living in our building, just understandably. So we took action and this is a thousand miles away. And this is one of the points where we just said, okay, we need to make sure that our tenants are safe. And we ended up calling the city and getting in front of people and getting to the right person who would continue to set us up to the next person, really just calling up and, and getting kind of stonewalled at first, but just leaving a message like we're worried someone's going to die in our property. And how quickly you say that you get a call back and one person passes to the next person. We ultimately got to the detective who handles the uh, city properties. And we had at the time a unit that had just gone vacant that we were turning or renovating that backed up to face this building where there was uh, really these incidents happening. So we offered up to the detective that they could use this tent uh, unit to go in there and basically do uh, you know our Colombo stakeout. So they went in there and did a stakeout over the course of three weeks and were able to arrest uh, about 10 people, which really cleaned up that building, uh, put some action into into the city so they could take some action. Really, uh, you know, they closed off a couple of these units. Um, but the ultimate thing here is it just, our, our building knew that we, we were there to take care of them and that, that really it was going to be a safe environment, whatever we could do. We got some more lighting up there and we just, we just wanted them to know because sometimes in real estate you get lost on, on just the, the income driver, but you have to realize that these are living beings in these properties and you want to make this the best environment for these people to live because it's ultimately going to help you going to help your building and help your tenant and help their future and your future as well. Wow. What a serious incident. So, I mean, yeah. when you're, when you're, back home and you heard about this incident happening, how did you know what to do in that situation? How did you know how to solve this problem? I didn't. I just took action. I just said, um, the management company said we were going to call, um, you know, this other agency, they're not getting back to us. And I said, all right, well, I'm just going to start calling everybody. And so the management company was trying, they were calling some higher ups over at, uh, one of the, uh, government agencies and was not going to respond. So I just went on a website and started calling people out of the blue who, who were head of housing and you make enough calls. You, you finally, you, you start getting callbacks and then explain the situation and people get it right. If you're not calling up accusing or, or, or being a jerk or being angry and you're just explaining the situation and saying you need help. Uh, generally people are more open to give you guidance and we got guidance and that guidance continued. And it wasn't like the one person said, I'll help you. We, you know, it was probably, 
seven to eight calls to get to the detective, to get to the stakeout, to get to the point, set that up. And, but it was really the key to being persistent throughout it that got us to the ultimate result. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme when I'm talking to people who are extremely successful. Is that something you think that you live by? Oh yeah, you're gonna hear no a lot more, right? You're always gonna hear no but it only sometimes takes one yes, right? So I just took one yes to a guy come out there and do stakeouts after we got, no, I can't help you. No, I'm not the right person. Uh, I'm not sure who you should call. No, I won't. I, I don't know if this is going to be something you can put together. Okay, well, who else can I talk to? And so it's generally that point of the no is going to happen, but you need how many no's to get to a yes. When did you first realize that you just don't give up on things like that. Was this something that's kind of a recent discovery? You read a book, you talked to somebody, or is this something that you can remember back, you know, as far as your childhood? I've been like this for a long time. And I, I and so my office can attest because they, they'll tell me lots of times, oh, I, I just can't, get this answer and I'll be like, why not? And I ultimately get to the why and then we'll figure out a solution to figure out why they can't and we'll have that answer generally within an hour. So it's it's always something of, of the point of just finding out what's stopping you from getting that answer and just pushing on to those next steps to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually it's just that people haven't asked that question why enough times. What are you really trying to get after? What are you trying to do? Yeah. So you're just like so many other people that are very successful. You're doing about 20 million different things. You're running a business where you're lifting houses. Don't you own a, a piece of a brewery? I do. Um, yep. Yep. You're flipping houses. You're wholesaling. You own multifamily. You're doing all these things. I mean, how, how do you deal with that without, you know, just hitting complete overwhelm? So, it continuing to get rid of things that you're not being good at in terms of, you know, so flipping, we, we've honed down our approach to be secular. Uh, wholesaling, we, we frequently have, have stopped doing it on a lot of approach just because it wasn't our best use of time. We've moved more into multifamily because that is a bigger strength for us and we have better systems. And then for the construction, just continue to, to create systems and roles so it can perform well without us being, you know, the, 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 the I guess the, the cog in the wheel that's really holding everything up. And that was a big reason why multifamily has been so successful for us is that we can be very successful running our construction projects, but sometimes the biggest hindrance is when you're in the way or you're doing a role or you're too busy. So the multifamily has allowed us when we're investing a thousand miles away to set up systems that I can allow other people to do what they're good at and really just, I don't want to say puppeteer, but run the asset and, and control the steps, but not really be the person who gets in the way because I have to, I'm going to step in and, you know, and, change the toilet because I could do it, but is that the best use me running out there me stopping the process, me going to put the part or just get someone out there who's aligned with that focus to have that within their daily activities and allow them to circumvent this whole process and make it quick and efficient. That's something that I learned firsthand. And I'm really thankful that I happen to be living in a very competitive real estate market when I started doing real estate when I was living in Southern California and it was really difficult to get things going there. And I was not going to give up and I started marketing out of state. And what that did for me is it forced me to rely on other people because I'm the kind of person who's just going to do it. I'm going to strap in, I'm going to make it happen. 
And by investing out of state, I had to rely on all these other folks to get the job done. And sure, overall, the margin's lower than if I was doing it myself. I got to do a lot more volume to feed Mm -hmm. that many more people. But in the end, it's a lot easier for me to be hands off if I physically can't be there. If I can't be the one who's doing everything, it forces me to, to see the light. It forced me to see that, wow, there's this other way. And it's, it's called delegating. And so it sounds like you've been able to do that with multifamily. Yeah, but it, it, I absolutely agree. But the same part too is your scalability right now has gone out the window. Before, if you were doing everything yourself, you know, you do one, two, three, four projects and you're tapped. Now you're doing 100 deals a year because you're able to put in 10, 10 people in a place that can help you ramp up your system. And that really is, is the, the answer to why businesses excel or businesses stay really a mom and pop operation. Yeah, that's so true. So you're killing it. You're growing. You're doing all these things. You ever hit a wall? Have you ever hit a place where you're just spread too thin? Yeah, you always do, right? And and that's the point because there's no balance. Like you, you think you have that balance, but you you're just you, you're just like me, right? You, you, there's there's no complacency. So you get to a point that you want to continue to push on, and you're not happy with that that position, right? And so one. We, we, P.O. and I are always trying to, you know, be grateful and be thankful for, for where we're at and, and just the small successes because you can always find a point that big success or small success, you're always looking at what's next and you're not giving your time to be grateful for what's actually happening. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll always get to a point where we're, we're overwhelmed because it's – and the overwhelm, it's not necessarily bad. It's just that now we have to figure out what's the next step or the next course in our business and what do we need to do to, to be able to get over this plateau. And so it's, it's that leapfrog, right? You, you have that point of growth, that point of acceleration. You hit that point where you're not, you're not adjusted right. And so I guess a good example is we had uh, the hurricane happen almost seven years ago here, New Jersey. Well, we went from doing you know 12 to 16 lifts a year to about 100 the infrastructure, the amount of materials, the overhead, the labor. We had to ramp up very quickly. Um, it's a very skilled business. So we had to bring on people, but make sure they could be trained properly because it can also be a very dangerous business. So there were so many components here where we, we need to ramp up so quickly, but we had to take our time to do so, so we could do it in the correct, proper and safe fashion. So it was a, it was a hard balancing act. And that came with an influx of calls and influx of job opportunities where we had to push them off, say no to some, just so we could make sure we were doing it right and not taking risks just, just at the sake of hoping to get more business. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the keystone habits or the habits that you do every day or every week, the things that you think uh, are making a big difference in your personal life and in your professional life? So get up early. I work out a lot. Uh, I keep very active. I run a ton. I kind of eat pretty similar every day. Um, I pretty much wear same things every day. Um, not the same clothes, but the same, like literally jeans and a, and a, and a work t-shirt or, or, or flannel just, so I, I kind of cut that time out of my day. Um, and then get our routine with our kids and that makes sure that they can start getting some 
some routine and structure to their life, but also that we can have the right time for ourselves and our, and also the kids. So getting up before the kids, but sometimes when they're young can be an adventure and making sure that we have that time so they can, you know, have their story time, have their bedtime, and we can give them that time um, as a family. So putting those perspectives together has made now the time that I have to work very important because I don't have it, there's not time to waste, right? Get there, get to work, get it done, get the, get the points in place that need to be done so I can go out there and have the other pieces that are already set up my life. I'm going to work out in the morning. I'm going to run in the morning. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get work done. I'm going to be, be with my family after. So these are my times to get things done. So be productive. Don't screw around and don't waste that time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you started moving into the multifamily space a couple of years back. What was the driver? What was the driving factor that said, hey, you know what? I've been killing it, flipping houses, renovating houses, moving houses. Why do something different? I was killing myself, right? So, so you're working hard and it's all active. Not to say that you can just, you know, sit on a beach and, you know, drink pineapple uh, juice while you're hanging out watching your multifamily properties. But when you're able to set up something that has a more passive environment to you, it gives you the opportunity to, to just do so much more. Right, I can bring on a number of apartment buildings and setting up the right systems. I can have unlimited access to opportunities, right? But now with moving houses, you know, we're we're only such a size crew. We only have so many materials. We only have so many points. Plus, for every dollar we have there and we and we make, we have to be working hard. We have to be out there. You know, it's seven degrees the other day. We're out there digging under houses to be able to put our materials in there to, to lift and move the house or renovation. You know, it's a, it's a dead asset while we're, while we're fixing it until we sell it. So it's nothing passive about those approaches. You have to be out there doing something active and then continue to do that to have money come in where multifamily allows you to benefit from cash flow, appreciation, depreciation, uh, debt pay down, tax advantages. There's just so many opportunities right there that you can use that to your advantage without really out there swinging a hammer. Yeah, that's strong. So when you're going to raise money for multifamily, obviously you have a a huge depth of knowledge on the single family front, on the construction front. What was the approach when you wanted to go raise money for that first big deal that you did? Sure. So talk about this a lot, right? It's hard because it's the chicken before the egg, right? So now how do I raise money for something I've never done? And that's always a point and we hear this all the time. Well, I actually put together a mock deal about what I wanted to do. Here's the opportunity that I'm going to find because I found what's very evident is people may know me from, you know, starting a brewery, you know, doing construction, doing this, doing that, but they've never, one, probably heard about me doing apartment buildings and two, might not even know that this is an opportunity that you can invest in. So the hurdle first is to get people to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And the next hurdle is to get people to understand what the opportunity is. Why are you investing in BC assets, 75 to 150 units in, uh, you know, in a second tier market uh, looking for opportunities that are, that, you know, are 100 units? Why do that? Why do you want that opportunity? And why would I want to be a part of this opportunity? And that is what we did first to get people to understand it. And then we would second out, is this something you'd be interested in and how much? Because finding a good opportunity 
yeah, it's great. But if you find this great opportunity and you find this great apartment building and get under contract, and then now you try and go raise money from every, from your friends, your network, and they don't know you're doing this. They've never even heard about this opportunity, let alone that you're buying buildings a thousand miles away. And now you have 30, 45 days to do all this money raising and close the deal. Well, now you've put a lot of pressure on your friends and on yourself and you become, I could see people get desperate because now they need money instead of being to the point of, hey guys, I want to help you because I have great opportunities here for you to invest outside of what you're usually doing within, you know, mutual funds or within the stock market. Uh, these apartment buildings are asset backed. Uh, you know, we're looking that we can produce these types of returns. We're going to uh, pay a preferred return. This is the kind of building we're looking for garden style apartment buildings, you know, in the Midwest and these markets, we've chosen these markets based on these growth popula- uh, metrics, these population, these job uh, metrics. And we're going to be using third-party management who is very versed in this type of asset. They're being, they're very, they have 5,000 units under management. So that's why we've chosen this field and we feel we can be very successful. Is this something you'd like to talk more about? Okay, great. Well, the opportunity would uh, be producing, you know, 10% cash and cash return. Ideally, we'd be looking for something that hits a uh, 15% IRR over a five to seven year hold period. And we'd go down that talk track with people and engage what kind of investment they would be looking to put in. And so now I've done all that homework. So six, seven, five, 12 months later, whatever it is, I now find this opportunity and I go, Hey, um, Joey or Betty, remember we talked about this before. Well, I do have this opportunity. Uh, are you still interested to talk more? And we've been able to raise money very quickly because we already did the homework up front instead of just having that deal. And I'll say, Hey Betty, I got this deal. I need money by next week. And now we got to get to this point and I, you don't understand it, but you know, but Hey, that it, it was very easiest to do the first approach. That is so powerful right there because I'll, I'll admit I've hit success, you know, on the single family front, we've grown really fast, but I see this amazing opportunity in commercial real estate in going bigger and going after bigger deals and taking on new opportunities. Why? Because I've surrounded myself with people who are doing bigger things and I realize, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's how I saw it when I came into the single family space originally, but there's still that limiting belief. There's still that little feeling of, well, what are other people going to think? Are they going to take me serious? Are they going to believe that we're going to be able to hit success? Are they going to even understand it? How do I go about having that conversation? And then the confidence to go and put the deal under contract to know that the capital's there. And so by putting together that mock deal, that's really strong because not only does it give you a chance to have that conversation, many, many times before you really need to, but you're, you know, you're pre-qualifying a number of folks, you're introducing it so that that idea is kind of planted in their head for could be months. It could be many, many years down the line when they're at a point where they're ready to see that this is an opportunity. This is not a request. Yeah. And we do that for everything. The opportunity is the last thing, right? We, we, we find our market, we find our star markets, we find our teams, we find our lenders, we find our insurance people, we find everybody because I want to know what's available to me when I do find that opportunity and say a lender, right? A lender may have a checklist of three items they want from you when you're under contract or 150. You don't know what it is. You also don't know what's going to be the best loan until you find the loan opportunities that are available. So if you get to the point where you have all that information, well, then now the, now the opportunity is easy because now I have the opportunity, but I know all the pieces that are already available to me. And now I can be very prepared to make this investment really successful for all of 
for investors. Yeah, you make it sound so easy. And I guess at the end of the day, it's just about taking action and doing it. And then it actually is easy. Absolutely. So let's jump into the last segment of our show, the growth rapid fire questions. They're actually not that rapid, but uh, tell me, what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one that you're the most excited about right now? Yeah, oh man. So I uh, just listened to David Goggins, uh, Can't Hurt Me. Badass book, really badass book. Just, you know, if, if, if you're going to say can't, listen to this guy's story and then say can't because it's just, it's that good. And he's been through just more things than you possibly can, can put on your brain. Uh, but he's got a story. And if, if you listen to the through line, it's super powerful. I need to add that book to my reading list. I heard him speak on James Altucher's podcast. I know he's been on a number of them recently, but wow, he was inspiring. This guy, Navy SEAL, pull-up world record holder, has done all these crazy races. And no matter what you think, I don't even want to do half of what he's doing. And he just keeps on going. Yeah, but listen to his childhood. He had one of the hardest childhoods a child could have, and he he persevered. That's awesome. So on the purpose front, why do you do what you do? Uh, so many different levels, right? So we we keep finding that we keep finding new ways that we can, one, create just goals for our family and create a lifestyle that can be passed down from our family for generations. And that's been important, but also now just continuing to give back, you know, just like yourself, we started a podcast, we started a meetup, just really just give back. We learn and we just, we find so much value and just, just helping others. And it, it can be great, right? Cause you, you help others, but you don't realize it's, it's helping you at the same time because it, you're just, you're, you're finding ways to really get out there and talk to more people and be more expressive and just really open yourself out. So it's, it's a give take to just finding where we can grow our, our family to just have everything that, that life can afford, but also give back as much as we can. That's where you really find a lot of value. Give first, guys. That's the biggest thing. I keep seeing this everywhere I go. The most successful people, when they hit success, they make a bunch of money. All of a sudden, they start realizing it's really about what are you able to do for other people? And as soon as you start doing things for other people, amazing amazing things start happening for yourself. That's, uh, That's powerful, Jason. Who is a mentor that's inspired you to live your best life every day? You know, there, there's a there's a good number of people that I can talk to um, or talk about. So there, there's a a friend's dad. My friend passed away in a in a horrific boat accident. He was 13, and I I've, I've stayed friends with his dad. And, you know, it was some time away, but um, just watching how he he continued to just be the man he was being and just be successful in his business, but still do everything he could to just take care of his family and, and put his family in the best light. He had two other younger kids, his wife. Um, it was just very powerful to watch and, and, and being able to now talk with him today. We talk every couple of weeks. Uh, it just gives so much, um, it, it just, it just grounds you, right? It just grounds you because he, he had this event that happened that, could have changed everything. And, and, and in many ways it did, but for him to be able to, to find the good and everything would happen and the good with the time that he had with Ben, it was just, it just powerful. And it just, it just continues to, to show me why I got to appreciate everything you have because it can quickly change. Wow. 
that's, uh, that's really powerful. I mean, life is only but a moment, so we better live it the best we can every day. Yeah. And on that, on that note, where can people find out more about you? Sure. Uh, you can go to our site, yarusiholdings.com, Y-A-R-U-S-I holdings.com. Uh, you can find our podcast on our site, reach out to us, say hello. That's awesome. Definitely go check out the REI Foundation podcast. Amazing stuff there. If you happen to be in the Jersey area, there's some a, a great meetup event. And uh, if you're looking to invest in multifamily, Jason's the kind of guy you want to be close to. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Jason, thanks for sharing your story and thanks for being a great friend. Thanks, Stephen. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 